Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald, Best Comics Ever. I'm your host, founder, and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. My name's Dave Busing, and I'm going to be taking you through today 15 new stories that I'll be adding to the Best Comics of All Time list. We've got 500 is where I'm capping the list on the Best Comics of All Time list, from Watchmen to Wanted as my perpetual number 500. And today I've got a whole bunch of reads that I went through in the month of May 2019, not necessarily comics that were released last month, but some recent Marvel fair, some 90s Vertigo fair, some actually very recent DC fair, a la Heroes in Crisis, and I'll be ranking them on the all-time list. If you enjoy the show, Best Comics Ever, if you enjoy Comic Book Herald Endeavors, all of this is made possible via reader and listener support on Patreon. You can go over to patreon.com slash comic book herald to find out ways that you can support comic book herald and get some cool exclusives like custom comics uh, reading lists every month um, and i also would recommend if you like best comics ever and what we're doing at comic book herald check out my marvelous year it's our reading club and podcast where myself and zach dean are going through every single year of marvel comics in chronological order we are recording our 60s 1960s decade recap we finished a whole decade of reading through our curated list with the club, and we're going to recap the entire decade. So I would actually say it's a really great place to jump in. Once we've got that episode up, it'll be released on this coming Monday, which, checking my calendar, will be June 10th. So it's a good place to start um, if you want to jump in with us on the 70s, as, of course, we continue through Marvel's publication history. But without further ado, I've got some comics to rank here. Again, you can find the entire list at comicbookherald.com slash the best comics of all time with a hyphen between each word in the best comics of all time. First on the list, my highest ranked book of the most recent read, Crew is Flex Mentallo. This is a Vertigo book by Grant Morrison and Frank Widely. I was um, inspired to finally go and actually read this series. Uh, It's been on my to-do for a long time. I was inspired by Doom Patrol on DC Universe. This is my favorite comic book TV show of at least the last three years, I would say really since Legion debuted on FX and probably probably even longer than that if I really was going to get into it. Uh, Doom Patrol is excellent and everything I wanted from a Doom Patrol TV series. It is hilarious with an emotional core and I love it. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend you do so, maybe with the DC Universe free month trial that I think they're still giving away. Um, but all of that is to say they debuted Flex Mentallo, a character who showed up first in the pages of Grant Morrison's own run on Doom Patrol, which uh, sort of was early, very early Vertigo style slash DC Universe comics in the late 80s and early 90s. And Flex as a character is is really fun and really up my alley. Basically, the character premise is taking sort of old Silver Age comics ads Um, Charles Atlas style, like, hey, if you follow my program, you'll go from a weakling to a muscle man, right? So if you've seen these ads, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And the tagline they use with Flex is the hero of the beach. And he'll literally, this character, he's a big muscle man, and he has the power of muscle mystery. And so Grant takes this idea of a super strong man, you know, weightlifter, and turns it into basically Flex by flexing certain muscles, he can do all sorts of really supernatural and kind of wild things. The most famous example 
in the pages of Doom Patrol is Flex. Flex is so hard that he turns the Pentagon from a Pentagon, you know, the U.S. government uh, base, from a Pentagon shape to a circle, <laughs> which is uh, absurd and strange, and I love it. It's it's hilarious to me, this power of muscle mystery. So Flex Mentalo is a four-issue miniseries that came after Doom Patrol was wrapped up and complete. And Morrison and Quietly, a, a team that have worked together now on a number of books that are in the all-time classic range and, and definitely do well on this list, the most famous of which is All-Star Superman. Um, of course, they've done work together on New X-Men on the Marvel side. And then you could also find things like uh, like DC's Earth 2 or Earth 3 coming out of JLA. So, or no, it's Earth 2 or 3. Isn't it Earth 3 where the crime syndicate is? Now I've got myself confused. Regardless, it's Morrison and Quietly working together. And Flex Manilo is, it's not anywhere near as straightforward as I expected it to be. And I don't know why I expected it to be straightforward, because this is Grant Morrison we're talking about, and he works in enormous concepts and very fast-paced books. One of the shorthands I like to use to describe some of Morrison's more ambitious um, work is that it oftentimes can feel like the second like a, of three panels, you can feel like the second one's missing, you know, like it feels like there's material there that it just bypasses and it just flies, right? The pace is so frenetic and it hops from idea to idea. It can be very off-putting. And I think there's a degree, there are times when this works extremely well with the pacing and there are times when it is extremely confusing. And I've, I've said this again and again, but like if this is your first time reading a Graham Morrison comic, uh, Flex Mental is going to be real confusing. <laughs> like, the themes that he works with, honestly, they apply across so many titles that I've, I gain an appreciation for his writing and his ideas, really, with each passing year. And it sounds, I don't know, it has the potential to sound snobbish, I think, when you're talking about you know, like, oh, you just don't understand it, I think is definitely the type of attitude that fans can, can uh, position themselves like they're, they're in the know or something. And it's kind of off-putting, you know, it, because it assumes maybe like, well, no, I just didn't like it because it's not a great story. And, and that's totally fair. I think with a lot of this work with Morrison, like there is a learning curve and there is it's an acquired taste, I think, a lot of times, and Flex Metal definitely falls in that category. Now, having acquired the taste, this is a brilliant, brilliant four issues. Um, it really distills a lot of the themes that I think Morrison likes to play with and particularly talks about in his autobiography, Super Gods, of, of sort of looking at the state of comics as a whole. Like, Flex Metal, so the character Flex, he's around in this book and he's going on an adventure and sort of a journey but it's all kind of besides the point honestly what he's actually like what the character is actually doing because really the book is like a meta text on comics and what their purpose is and uh, you know why we love them and and really it's also looking at you know this book was released in 1995 and you're in the throes of extreme image books reacting to sort of the maturation of comics that came in the late 80s with books like The Dark Knight, um, The Dark Knight Returns, which Flex quite 
heartily lampoons in its third issue. Um, and, and of course, Watchmen, right? So it's Morrison looking at that wave and saying, is this actually a good thing for comics? Like that everything be deconstructed and sad all the time? I, there's a quote in there, and I'm paraphrasing off memory, so I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's something to the effect of, you know, these books were so focused on maturation that they forgot optimism. And, and that is actually what makes comics important. So I think if you spend a lot of time reading and thinking about comics and why you like them, which is something that is very up my alley, Flex tackles those ideas and those concepts extremely, extremely well. Um, it's smart. It's great. I think, again, if you've, if you've been a fan of Morrison's work uh, here and there and you're into this sort of meta narrative that runs through things like Doom Patrol, Invisibles, um, probably all the way up until like Final Crisis, you know, this would be a read that I think you definitely, definitely have to check out. I don't think it's going to tap into the same vein of, of sort of excellence, but also like still kind of fitting superhero themes that um, Doom Patrol does. Like it doesn't, Flex doesn't feel like a superhero book at all, which is funny because it's really like, you know, Flex is literally, he is created in a comic book and he's aware that he came from a comic book. You know, like if you think Deadpool's meta, Flex is is Deadpool squared, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, all of which is to say, I really like it. I understand why people wouldn't. I do think the pacing and like trying to figure out what like, the actual plot of this book is, is extremely difficult. Um, but of course, it's got early Frank Quietly art. It looks fantastic. Um, there's a lot of like, BDSM stuff and costumes, which is not surprising when these two get together. Uh, so if you're into that, hey, score. Uh, so Morrison Quietly, Flex Menelo, it's going to go pretty high on my list. Um, but it's, again, like I have Doom Patrol as my fourth, I think, highest rated comic on the best comics of all time list. The entire Morrison, uh, mostly with Richard Case on art run. Yeah, I've got that fourth. And that's obviously super high. I don't know that Flex is even necessarily going to go inside the top 100, but it might be close. So now, actually, so I was basically saying, where does this rank in terms of Morrison written works? And I've got Animal Man, the early DC, again, kind of proto-Vertigo book he did, uh, again, late 80s, early 90s. I've got that actually at my 100 right now. And Flex is in that, it's in that ballpark for me. I mean, I probably... If you ask me right now, having just read it, I'm probably a little more into Flex, but I think there's some recency bias that probably goes into that. Um, so given that, let's let's keep looking on down the list here. I'm kind of scrolling towards... Okay, so something like at 141, I've got You Are Deadpool, which is a very recent Al Ewing and Salva Espin uh, choose-your-own-adventure Deadpool comic, which I think is, like, brilliant. Um, but again, it'd be one where you say, well, what's the actual story here? It's more of a, it's more, you're celebrating the construction of the comic more than you are like actually reading an original story. Uh, I've got Batman and Son by Morrison and Kubert, only a couple spots below that at 143. I like Flex more than Batman and Son. Batman and Son debuts Damian Wayne. It kicks off Morrison's really extended run on Batman, which frankly, I've got broken up into different chapters here on the best comics of all time list. I could conceivably, if I go back to that to reread, I'll probably rank it all as one because it does as a whole story. You know, if I'm going to do Doom Patrol as a whole thing, I should probably do Batman as a whole thing because that would move the 
the entire Morrison Batman sequence up the list. But for the time being, I'm going to say it's better than Batman and Son. It's not as good as Justice League International. So we're going to put Flex Metallo very high on the list. It's going to be the new 143. And that is going to be the highest ranked comic that I put on the best comics of all time list this month. So again, if you're a fan, if you checked out Doom Patrol uh, on DC Universe, give that book a read. Um, frankly, even if you haven't, uh, I would I would highly recommend going and doing that or reading Doom Patrol for yourself for the first time. Uh, the early Vertigo series is a favorite of mine. All right, that's going to take us into Cosmic Ghost Rider. This is a five-issue mini. Make sure I didn't already rank this somewhere. Okay, I don't seem to have. Um, this is a five-issue miniseries by Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett. Really good creative pair in, in the Marvel landscape and elsewhere. Cosmic Ghost Rider, I talked about this on the most recent new Marvel books pod that I did. Um, that was my last release, so I'm not going to go too much in depth. Other than to say, this is a Marvel comic that sh maybe should not have worked and works exceptionally well. Um, it's definitely got that sort of flavor of the month vibe to it where, okay, Cosmic Ghost Rider was fun as a supporting character in Thanos Wins, also written by Donny Cates. Let's give him his own miniseries. And it could just be totally dumb and and just like kind of trying to cash in on the moment. And again, it's actually really fun. And it deals with, um, you know, Ghost Rider traveling back in time, answering the age old, would you kill Thanos as a baby question and, and a whole lot more with alternate realities. And probably what really sets it apart is that Dylan Burnett's art looks amazing. Uh, there's so many shots in this of, of alternate universe stuff, of, of just Cosmic Ghost Rider looking cool. So Cosmic Ghost Rider is a really fun five-issue miniseries, I think. Probably something that's a little bit comparable to, actually, would be my number 224 on the list, which is Batman White Knight, the Sean Murphy joint from DC Comics. I think, and that's an eight-issue mini, I think I actually probably like, and I quite love Murphy's art. I think he's extremely talented. I've obviously got Punk Rock Jesus, a book by him, insanely high on the list. I think it's like, it's not in my top 10, it's in my top 20. Um, would I put Cosmic Ghost Rider quite that high? Mm, it's in the ballpark. Let's see. I'm scrolling down a little bit from there to see. I've got X-Men Red Volume 1 at 241. Cosmic Ghost Rider could probably hang... With that, yeah, okay, that seems a little more applicable. I'm going to put it then right above New 52 Justice League Forever Evil and right below X-Men Red. It's going to be the number 242 on the best comics of all time list. Congrats, Cosmic Ghost Rider. You did it. You're inside the top 250. Okay. Let's see, we're going to get through at least the top five books I have on my list today um, to rank. I've got Frendo by Vault. This is a book, it's written by Alex Pachnadel with art by Martin Simmons. Uh, Vault is, has definitely, I think, over the last probably year, uh, cemented themselves as the most interesting, independent, sort of new publisher on the scene. I think there's been a wave, and I probably talked about it a bit, but there's been a wave of sort of the new. It's like Aftershock and Black Mask and Lion Forge. 
and probably some others that I'm forgetting. Um, but Vault is definitely the one that has most consistently impressed me of late. They've had some really good titles. I think I talked about Fearscape not too long ago. Uh, and if I didn't, that's my favorite book from Vault right now is, is Fearscape. It's excellent, excellent comic. Friendo is very good. Uh, it's an interesting concept. And it basically, let's see. Yeah, I put Fearscape at number 112 on the list. So I rank that very high. Friendo's not going to go quite that high. The premise here is effectively a, a nearish future where tech has progressed to the point that you can wear like what would be the equivalent of, you know, like a Google Glass kind of thing, like if that wasn't an abysmal tech failure. And you can basically construct a um, an artificial intelligence friend who will like travel with you and is suited to your personal interests. So it's like an algorithmic friend and they learn what you like and they learn how to hang with you. And basically it's about this individual whose life is sort of in reality coming apart, who becomes increasingly dependent on this, uh, friend who this artificial intelligence friend who is also like he's a product and he's trying to get you to buy things because, you know, think about like Amazon's echo devices, right? They are there to help you. Uh, but they also are going to be prompting you to pay for things because that is how the business that manufactures them makes money. So Friendo taps into, I think a lot of very applicable, realistic, um, like technology concerns that we have in the world. And it creates a pretty, pretty fun personal drama, around that that premise. Um, again, only five issues, not super long, easy to get into. I would recommend checking it out. Uh, it's going to go, it's going to do decently. I don't think, all right, so I'm looking at number 270 on the list. I have the Snagglepuss Chronicles. I don't think it has the emotional heft of that book, so it's not going to go that high. Um, it's not as good as Marvel 2-in-1, which I have at number 279. Let's see. So speaking of the sort of less familiar publishers. I've got Baby Teeth by Aftershock. It's another Donny Cates written book with art by Gary Brown at 293. It could be conceivably in that range. I think I'm going to put it above Archer and Ar No, I'm going to put it above Teen Titans by Jeff Johns. I've enjoyed reading it more. Well, actually, no, let's put it above Baby Teeth. I think it's got better art. So... That's going to make it the new 293 on the list. Friendo is going to go inside the top 300. And I recommend giving that one a read uh, for a more recent off-the-beaten-path type book. The next book's got a, a lot more fanfare because it's written by Kieran Gillen, who's a pretty big name in comics these days. This is Die. It's written by Gillen with art by Stephanie Hans. And uh, the Die here is a pun on both the, of course, conflict of, of death and the threat of death and imminent death in this sort of fantasy universe. Um, but it's also rolling a die because this is all a product of what if what if a Dungeons and Dragons game was Jumanji, right? And it's got a cast of characters that they travel to this realm, the fantasy realm that is lived in. And there's some mystery to how did they get there? What happened while they were there the first time? Um, they have to go back, right? Kind of, kind of that is the premise. They one of their own was basically left behind in this fantasy realm. And they need to go back and figure out what's going on. So Die, again, released with a lot of fanfare. I think probably going to hold 
a, a more important, maybe special place in people's hearts who are intimately familiar with Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. Um, it's the sort of thing that I'm pretty confident I would have been interested in had I ever started, but I never did. Never played D&D uh, in my life. I have a lot of affinity for Fantasy Realms and, of course, Lord of the Rings, which this plays with. So it's not like it's, um, you know, like speaking a foreign language, but definitely there are mechanics and I think uh, sort of social components to this that I just never experienced. So I, I could see it being hitting harder for somebody who is a big D&D fan. For me, I think the first five issues have died. There's a lot of promise. It's good. I think Stephanie Hahn's art is particularly well-suited for this series. Um, her art looks, it's got more of a digital feel to it, uh, like digital painting. And I think that uh, it kind of stands out on the shelves from a lot of what I typically am most into. I don't, I won't say that I love it so much as I appreciate it uh, and, and that it's a unique tone and look. I think, again, like, I could see Die. I hope it extends. I hope it goes for a long time. Like, I'm looking forward to reading it for a while and seeing what comes next. As it stands, just the first five issues, it's not going to go super high on my list. Um, it's it's good, not great, I think is pretty much where I net out. So I'm putting it here at the number 336 on my list, that's going to put it behind another first volume from Image that is Maestro's, uh, which I think just looks great and also has like a pretty fun fantasy premise. Um, that one's written and illustrated by Steve Scroach. So the new number 336 on the best comics of all time list is Die, which again, I would very much recommend giving the first issue and first volume a look because I do think um, a lot of people are going to enjoy this comic and I think it's got a lot of promise. Okay, last one I'm going to rank before I go, and then I'll, I'll rank. Well, let's see. i got to do Heroes in Crisis. That's new. So let's do that, even though it's not my next highest-rated book. Heroes in Crisis, nine-issue maxi-series from DC Comics. It just wrapped up um, the last few weeks here in May 2019. This is written by Tom King. It's got art by Clay Mann and occasionally Mitch Gerards. And Heroes in Crisis is the DC Comics event, or one of them, of really late 2018, early 2019. It sort of spins out of some of King's work and themes that he's laid out in Batman. Uh, the premise is effectively there is a place called Sanctuary in the DC universe where heroes and basically powered beings can go and work on mental health issues. And it's supposed to be completely anonymous. Um, basically, we find there's sort of this secret history of everyone from Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, down to, you know, like Lagoon Boy in this book, um, will go to Sanctuary to work out their issues. And the premise that King, I think, laid out at the start, you know, kind of pre-event hype, um, was that, you know, there's a cost and there's a mental impact of all of this stuff that these heroes go through in comics. And that it is, uh, they would need a place to work on these issues, which I don't think is a bad premise. Uh, the impact and effect of Heroes in Crisis has been very controversial. I mean, I think, I, as a whole, what I would say, there's a lot to say about Heroes in Crisis. And actually, I would really encourage you um, to go to compacarol.com and search for Heroes in Crisis to check out John Galati's writing 
on this. He did a two-part series on the works of Tom King and then kind of building up to most recently in Heroes in Crisis. And it's the best piece of comic criticism that I've been a, that I've had the pleasure of running on Comic Book Herald. Uh, it's fantastic writing, it's fantastic analysis, and it really digs into this into a way in a way that I'm not I'm just not going to in the in the short time I'm going to be talking about it. Um, so if you want more, I highly recommend you go there. But what I would say broadly is Heroes in Crisis just it doesn't work the way that you want it to, and I think this is particularly disappointing because King has been so good. I think Tom King, he came out of the scene so hot <laughs> with books like Vision for Marvel, which is, you know, super high on my list, and um, Sheriff of Babylon, and Omega Men, and then, of course, Mr. Miracle, most recently. These are all books that King wrote, a 12-issue series more often than not, um, and they're all, like, those four books I just mentioned, they're all inside my top 100 of all time, and Mr. Miracle nearly inside the top 10. I mean, it's my favorite book of the last several years. It's, these are some of the best comics. So I think the expectation with King is the bar is super high, right? And he's got an enormous fan base. He's got a lot of attention. And this is the first event book that he has written. And event books, I think, they don't, they tend to not play nice <laughs> with big creators. You know, like there are a lot of very good writers who get onto an event book and just collapse. You know, it doesn't, the structures and the weight of an event doesn't really suit everyone's writing styles. You know, I think of like Rick Remender, who I really like, and I like his Marvel work a lot. Um, he wrote Axis. It's very bad. It's not a good event. Um, it falls apart. It's disappointing. And I think, you know, that's, that happens. I think there are other writers, Jonathan Hickman, for example, who step up and they integrate the event into part of their narrative that they've been telling, like with Infinity or Secret Wars, and it works beautifully. So it can go either way, and I think in the case of King, uh, it went it went the wrong way. Uh, Heroes in Crisis is is muddled. It's a mess. It's a murder mystery. Um, but I think the piece, and I'm not going to spoil it. I think you probably if you if you know about it at this point, you kind of know what's going on. If you don't know anything about it, I'll let you read it for yourself. You know, maybe you're going through the the DC Rebirth reading order on Comic Book Herald. Um, but it's it's a murder mystery, and honestly, like. The whole thing is, it's not, it does not reflect well upon the heroes. I'm not really clear what the intent was. I think even by the end of the book, there's like, there's maybe an argument to be made for optimism and for seeking hope and seeking redemption and seeking help. And I can kind of see where King, Man, Gerard's, and company where they were coming from with the particular character that they kind of denigrate, honestly, um, throughout this, like why he'd be this way, I think actually does make sense. But the way it's executed is is deeply, deeply flawed. So I don't think it's, I think some people, definitely fans in particular of of the character who is most, most damaged by this book and frankly may not recover for a very long time, um, are probably going to say it's one of the worst comics they've ever read. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I think I think the problem really with Heroes in Crisis is, first off, it looks great. Clayman's art is very, very good. This is a cool-looking book. Um, King's a huge fan and proponent of the nine-issue uh, structure, nine-issue grid, and they use this over and over again with, like, reality show-style uh, interviews with different characters across the DC universe. Um, I would argue this format, it's visually distinct, and it gives the book a look and feel. It's 
very easy to parody Heroes in Crisis because you know exactly what the book looks like. I mean, I think nine times out of 10 or nine times out of nine in this case, it didn't really work particularly well. Um, I just don't, again, it's like the book just doesn't come together. And I actually, I think one of the biggest problems is like, I still having read this don't really get sanctuary and I don't really get its place in the DCU or as therapy. Um, I also don't really have a good sense of like the, where this fits into the DC universe. You know, it's supposed to be a DC universe book, but it's got this whole big event where Superman sort of speaks to the world and then I go over to the Brian Michael Bendis era of Superman and the lead up here to Event Leviathan, which I'm very excited about, and uh, it doesn't seem to be reflected at all. So it's like isolated, but simultaneously trying to play with every corner of the DC universe. Uh, it's it's just kind of a mess, um, which is, again, like I think the reason it's got so much backlash is because it's so disappointing. Uh, you, you hear the creative team and you hear Tom King attached to a project at DC, and the expectation is it's going to be great. Uh, a la Mr. Miracle and Heroes in Crisis is not that. I think it's really just very, it's very middle of the road. Um, it's not particularly great. I think the easiest book to compare it to in like structure and approach is DC's Identity Crisis. And definitely I think Identity Crisis is better and works, definitely works better as a murder mystery than Heroes in Crisis. Um, Heroes in Crisis is going to go fairly low on my list. Um, let's see, I got to look down. And again, it's really one of those like, I, I think the best thing I can say about Heroes in Crisis is I was definitely pretty consistently engaged. You know, I did want to know what was going to happen next, but it kind of always let me down. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I wanted to know where this comic was going, but then every time I got an answer, it was kind of disappointing. So, you know, that's that's the rub on Heroes in Crisis. I think... I'm looking here at number 425 on the list. I have Milk Wars, which is a weird young animal crossover event. Um, I would say Milk Wars is better than Heroes in Crisis. I think right below that, I've got the first 18 issues of Avengers by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Obviously, huge import in those comics, although... I mean, I'd, I'd rather read Heroes in Crisis, having just, having just said clearly that I don't think a ton of it. Those early Avengers issues aren't super great. Um, hmm. And as I look down the list, I mean, I definitely can't put it much lower than that. I guess really the question would be, is Heroes in Crisis better than the four-issue Doctor Fate miniseries by J.M. DeMatteis and Keith Giffen? I'd rather read it again. I don't love that Dr. Fate until it becomes the comedy book with the Maddie's writing. Um, Punisher War Machine. I mean, that's definitely just more fun. Really no argument to be made there. All right, let's put it there then. So the new number 428 on the best comics of all time list is DC's Heroes in Crisis, the most recent DC comics event by Tom King, Clayman, and company. All right, that's going to do it for the books that I'm ranking on this round. We are now up to 514 ranked books overall. Of course, I'll only be publishing the top 500. I'm going to have to move some more books off this list so that I can force Wanted into the number 500 spot. But again, you've been listening to Best Comics Ever. I'm Dave. I do all my writing. You can find more of my work at comicbookherald.com. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the pod, please rate and review on iTunes so I can find more people and more listeners and talk comics with the lot of you. So thanks, everybody. And as always, enjoy the comics.